0: <laughs> Thank you, Lena, for leading us in prayer. She was like going off. You got to vote. <laughs> I'm talking about. You got to vote. I don't care who you vote for. You got to vote. I like that, Lena. So, who you voting for? I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. I mean, but like for real, come on. Come on. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? Come on, let's tell. Let's go around the room and everybody tell. You know what I mean? Come on. You know, as a matter of fact, let's just split the room up. Republicans on this side, Democrats on this side, and you crazy undecideds, get out. What's wrong with y'all? How do you not know by now? You know what I mean? All right, now that I lost my job. Um, no, I mean, I don't know. I'm, you know. I don't get the undecided, though. I mean, out of all the stuff and all these ads and stuff, you got, you got to know. But anybody, in the, no, nobody's going to answer now, but I was going to say, any undecideds tonight? Albert, I'm I'm on this side. A lot of confusion. Well, we can clean that up. Let's just open up the Word of God. Amen? It's clear in Scripture. (laughs) Ha-ha, yeah. All right. (laughs) Chapter 3 of the Book of Daniel. Chapter 3 of the Book of Daniel. We're going to have fun tonight. Chapter 3 of the Book of Daniel. It's a very familiar passage of Scripture tonight. Uh, We're talking about the three Hebrew boys. Um, uh, So I'm excited about how God may take this ancient story and um, bring forth some fresh truth to our hearts. Daniel chapter 3 begins reading at verse 1. We'll conclude around verse 12. Here we go. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide, and set it upon the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, the prefects, uh, the governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all of the provincial officials to come and to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, the prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of language, of men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zithar, lyre, harp, all kinds of music, all the peoples, nations, and men of every language fell down and worshiped the image of God that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. for Satan. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O live forever, you have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. This is our Father's word. Let's pray. God, as we open up your word tonight, I pray that you would speak uh, to our hearts. Uh, God, as we open this word, we recognize that this is the core of who we are. Uh, this represents and encapsulates all that it means to be Christian. So God, I pray that not only will this message inform us as we prepare to open up your word tonight, but it will inform us even, even in the election. I, I, I'm crazy enough to believe that this word would even give us insight in things like uh, political elections. So God, I just pray that your heart would speak to us tonight, that we would leave this place made better by your spirit and through the truth of your word. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Story about uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, it, It really begins, we know about this image, but it really... Chapter 3 are really the implications of what goes down in chapter 2. It's in chapter 2 where the king is having this reoccurring dream. He's having this dream over and over and over. And he's called all the wise men together. He's called them all together so that they can interpret this dream. Because he keeps having this reoccurring dream. So he calls the wise men and the wise men come, but they can't interpret it. They can't tell him what the dream was and they can't interpret it and tell what the dream means. So the king, out of his frustration, says, all right... Wise men, you're no good to me, so I'm going to kill every last one of them. It was at this point where Daniel was like... Uh. King before you start killing people, can I have a try? you know he, he's like give, give me a shot so so he goes to the king this young Israelite uh, he goes to the king and he says, oh king i I, I probably don't know the answers uh, to, to this to this dream, but if you give me an opportunity I will go to my God and I will pray to my God, and my God will interpret this dream well, the king allows time for Daniel to go and pray and Daniel comes back and the and, and Daniel is able to tell him what the, uh, what his dream was and he's able to interpret interpret his dream. Now this dream, uh, it's not our focus tonight, but I'll at least kind of glean over it. This dream was this big image that King Nebuchadnezzar had, and it was this image that was made up of these different valuable metals. It began with the head of gold and the chest of silver, and, and and it goes down to bronze and, and iron and in clay, and it goes on. and, 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 and uh, Daniel begins to interpret the meanings of these different metals and the different values and why it looks like this, and he begins to interpret what this dream means. He tells King Nebuchadnezzar, he says, "This head of gold represents your territory, represents Babylon, which." you have reign over King Nebuchadnezzar and it represents your reign. So King Nebuchadnezzar gets a clear picture of what this dream is and he sees what this dream is all about and he's so grateful. He's so grateful to where he, he, he gives Daniel these royal gifts, and he gives them a promotion. In Babylon, they had provinces, and, 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 and the king would set princes over each province. So he says, Daniel, I'm going to make you a prince over a province. And, and Daniel, being the, good, being the good friend that he is, he says, well, king, if, if you're going to give me a job, I got some homies that need a hookup with a job. So, um, homies, I have some friends that need an opportunity for gainful employment. Uh, as well as myself. Uh, in case you got lost there. So, so he calls uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, his homies, and he say, yo, hook them up with jobs too. So they all get these do jobs, they straight, they hook it up, they go. Chapter 3. We get to chapter 3, and we find this same king, the same king who, by the way, bowed down to Daniel's God, and he decreed in all, the, all of his area, he said, Daniel's God is the God. Daniel's God is the God of all gods. Daniel's God is king of all kings. He's, he's over every king. He's the God of mystery. Daniel's God is the God to connect with. Daniel's God is the one that I worship. He literally bows down before Daniel and worships his God. But in chapter 3... It opens with him building this image. This golden image. And he calls all of the city officials and he says, come to the city, come to, come here, come to the city square where I've built this huge image, this golden image, 90 feet tall and 9 feet wide. I've built this golden image and I want all of you to come and bow down and worship this image. He says, when you get here, when the music begins to play, when this song is played, I want you to bow down and worship. And there, friends, is where we find our tonight this unexpected song. This unexpected song. This 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 unforeseen opportunity where we have to, here it is, stand or bow. This unexpected song. As I thought about this message, I, I, had to, I was forced to ask myself, is this something that's even relevant today in 2008? Is this even relevant? Is, is this, does this play any role in our life? Huh. I'm beginning to think about it. You know, I'm a lover of television. If, if you've been to Warehouse at least three times, you know that about me because I'm always talking about TV. I, I, I love television. And I love, here's what I really love. I love theme songs. I love theme songs. Y'all know I love Fresh Prince of Bel-Air in West Philadelphia, born and raised on the playground. You know, so I love that. But, but, like, I just love all theme songs. Uh, here you go. Uh, Making your way in the world today takes everything you got. You know, Christians, I know you're not supposed to watch that show. Uh, but like, uh, the Brady, but, dun, 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 the Brady, or oh, Batman. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, hey, we got some older people. Let's we'll find somebody old. Uh, John Stuthers, uh, what, what's, what's, one of your, uh, what's one of your favorites? Andy Griffith. That was a good one. Yo, y- y'all want to try it? I mean, come on. I know it. Okay, let's just try it. This, this ain't got to do with King Nebuchadnezzar, but let's just try it. All right? One, two. Ready, go. Oh, that's tight. That's right. Right. what I'm talking about. Do that at the neighborhood church. Yeah, man. True. All right. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, theme songs. Okay. So, so, so I, love, I love theme songs. Have you ever thought about, like, I, I know I'm crazy. I probably hadn't thought like this. But I thought, what if, what if, like, I had my own theme song? Like, it, like, if I walk in the room, it's like my theme music. It's like I take my theme music with me, you know what I mean? It's like, all of a sudden, I'll probably choose the music from Shaft. I'll be walking... Walk it, tickle, walk it, tickle, walk it, tickle, walk it, tickle. Who is the man? Do y'all know who Shaft is? Shaft is this cool brother who had on this always wore this black leather jacket. As a matter of fact, a lot like David's jacket tonight. I was thinking about that. You kind of got a little Shaft feel tonight, you know. But it's like this cool brother had his nice black leather jacket on. But he always walked like he walked like he was walking on clouds. Was just walk it, tickle, walk it, tickle, walk it, tickle. You know, just like this this strut. And I was like, that that would be my song. Have, have you ever thought about? If our culture had a theme song, what would it be? If, if, if our world, if our culture that we live in, if it had a theme song, what would that theme song be? Huh. Uh, to give a couple of ideas, let's just look at some of the commercials. Uh, let's, take, uh, let's take Sprite, for instance. The Sprite, what, what's, what's, what's their motto? It's uh, obey your thirst. Basically, whatever, whatever you crave, whatever you desire, obey that, follow that obey that. Uh, Or uh, uh, Nike. Nike says, just do it. I don't care what it is. I don't care how you do it. Just do it. As long as you wear Nikes, just do it. Just just go on. Just do it. You could be at work, checking your email. All of a sudden, I want to run. Put on Nikes and just do it. Just run. Just start running. You know what I mean? They're just like, hey, just do it. Or uh, 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 Burger King. Burger King. what's, What's theirs? Have it your way, right? Have a troll way. They say, however you want it, you come to Burger King, we'll fix a troll way. Which is always interesting to me, because I always get my hamburgers with no onions, no pickles, and extra ketchup. And every time I go to Burger King, I look in my bag, and they have onions, pickles, and not enough ketchup. It's not my way! I'm in therapy about that, so I'm sorry. I'm working... <laughs> but it's not true, it's not my way, I want my way, I my way. Okay, um, but, but it's like this, this idea, and nothing's wrong with these things within themselves. So if you see me drinking a Sprite, you know, I'm not going to hell or anything. It's like, it, so it's not anything wrong with these concepts. The problem is, when we parallel the themes of our culture to the themes of Christianity, we see the gap in between the two. We, we, see the, we see the difference because if there was a theme song of culture, it would go around this idea of it's all about you, have it your way. It's all about your life is centered around you. However, the theme song of scripture is very differently. Sprite says obey your thirst. Scripture says obey God. Nike says just do it. Whatever you want to do, just do it. Scripture says trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Burger King says, have it your way. But Jesus himself in the Garden of Gethsemane said, it's not my will, it's not my way, but thy will, thy will be done. And 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 there's this this gap because the song of the culture is always playing and it's always taking place, but yet we have it literally going against the grain of this song of God. The, the, The problem is, is that... The, the song of culture is so subtle, before you know it, you'll find yourself posturing yourself according to the song of culture. It, it, it's, it's the idea, basically, music requires a response. Uh, my, my little girl, my little two-year-old girl, uh, girl teaches me that. Whenever she's walking, all of a sudden, she will turn on some music and she just start uh, you know, just it. hey, baby, baby, hey, baby. baby. We don't be listening to that. We, uh, I'm sorry. Great is your faithfulness. No, that don't even look right. Huh? Sorry. Okay. All right. hey, Amen. Okay. No. But but it's like it's like she begins to posture. See, she knows that it requires a different response. She postures herself and she begins to respond to the song. And the question is tonight: Are we so closely tied to the culture to where we begin to live our life responding to the song of culture because it's so subtle? And it's, and it's so innocent, it's real easy to fall into that trap. It's like the young dad who's just starting out with his family. And, and, and the song of the culture says, work hard and be successful. Work hard and cheat, achieve, achieve and work hard and achieve and provide for the family. And he follows that model and he begins to live his life according to that song. And he works hard and achieve, works hard and achieve, only to come home one day and realize that his wife feels like a single mother. And that his kids said, dad loves work more than he loves us. See, this song of culture will begin to take you away from the things that God values most. So it's like the mom. It's like the mom who says, I'm, "I'm young at this and I'm just getting started." So, as a young mom, I just really want to. I want to be there. I want to try to be there for everything, and I want to try to capture every moment. And I want to be there. I know I got to be there for the PTA. I got to be there for the kids. And I got to be there for, for for my husband when he comes home and be there, be there. And this song just pushes them to be there and to be there. But the true story will be were to be told it's easier for her to be there for them than it is for her to really be there for herself. Because in the shuffle of being all things to everybody else, she's really lost the center of who she is. And when she looks in the mirror, she doesn't know who she is, so it's easier just to be there for other people than to go through the work of trying to figure out who she really is. The song, the song of culture, it's subtle, it's slow. you got to listen, you gotta, you got to tune your ear because it's just like the young girl who... <sighs> Who, song of Culture says, be accepted and feel needed, be accepted and feel needed, be accepted and feel needed. And she finds herself living to that song and posturing herself. I want to be accepted and I want to be needed. And you wonder why she ends up in this relationship where she's accepted and needy for being abused, being manipulated, being taken advantage of. She said, you know, I wouldn't leave, but I, I feel I'm, I'm, he accepts me for me. And I can't leave him because he he needs me. So if it costs me something, if if I gotta if I gotta be uncomfortable, then it's worth it. The song of culture, the song of culture that'll tell guys, it's all about fitting in and, and, and being cool and it's all about this—you know, fitting in and being cool and I'm willing to do anything to fit in and be cool and they get around a group of guys and they're fitting in and they're being cool but while they're hanging out in their effort to fit in and be cool they recognize that this whole fun party thing is taking on a whole nother level because this is the second time I've gone out with these guys and I needed help getting home because I drank too much and now fitting in and being cool means I can't come home without help because I'm drinking so much. See, this song of culture is subtle, it's slow. It's not, going, it's not going to bring some foreign element, something that you're not attracted to, something that you don't desire, and try to. It's, it's all about obey your thirst, obey your cravings. And what this song of culture is going to find out what you crave and try to woo you out of the comfort and the centeredness of God and try to bring you to the rhythm of the song of culture. See, see, if, if, your, if your thing ain't drinking, it, that's not going to touch you at all. It's not going to be a big deal. What, what if your thing is women? Then every opportunity, he's going to play the song that causes you to look outside of healthy relationships. It's crafty. It's subtle, And we've got to be careful and pay attention to the song of the culture, because the song of the culture, its greatest desire is that we bow down to the song that's being played in culture. Tonight, I want us to literally take time to stop and think. I know many times we come in the message about us coming together. I want to give you the freedom to really be selfish and look into your own life today. I want to talk about three characters in this story. And as I talk about these characters, I'm going to provide a space for you just to stop, pause, and think about how this theme might be trying to get played in your life. And I want you to stop and take time tonight and think about your life and what themes may be trying to show up that are songs of this culture. Amen? First character, the king. This, this king just had this God moment. He had this great God moment where he saw, he saw, he saw Daniel's God and he was like, wow, this is the God. This is the one that can interpret my dream. This is the one that, 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 that makes plain the mysteries that I cannot comprehend. This is the God. And he talks to Daniel, but he leaves that God moment and he begins to create this image. And it's like, where did this come from? Where did this, all of a sudden, you you leave this moment with God and now you're building an image so people can come and worship you? Word here is syncretism. Syncretism. It's the idea of of taking of taking this one thought and taking the opposing thought and trying to forge them together. It's, it's the idea of of, of 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 King Nebuchadnezzar seeing God for who he is, but as, as opposed to allowing God to shape him, uh, he, he he wanted to shape God to fit who he was. Uh, Let me say it another way. As opposed to him seeing the greatness of God and saying, God, I want to follow you. He says, wow, God, you're great. You follow me. He tries to contextualize God to fit his own life. Syncretism. This is this idea of taking who God is, but not willing to be changed, not willing to be transformed, but saying, God, you got some good stuff. You got some good ideas. You can do some great tricks. You're a great person to have on my team. Pack up and follow me and let's see if we can do this thing together. No, 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 no. That's not the way of God. See, King King Nebuchadnezzar, he was so consumed with his own image, where he missed the greatness of God. Have we become so consumed with our own image that we can't really see God for who He really is? It really shows Himself. He He was King Nebuchadnezzar was all about Him, and then watch this. When the three Hebrew boys didn't respond like they wanted Him to, when they, when he didn't, when they didn't get up like they wanted them to, He was insulted. He said, "How dare you rebel against Me?" And it became a a, a fight, an exercise of power. He says, if you don't bow, I will light this furnace seven times hotter, seven times hotter than before. Of course, the Hebrew boys say, King Nebuchadnezzar, we will not bow. Because we have a God who won a lot and we trust our God. He said, you and your God are no match for me. Hear the arrogance. The arrogance in King Nebuchadnezzar. You and your God are no match for me. You will burn. You will die. And he puts on them this sentence of death because he was insulted and he was arrogant. Hear the theme. What does this arrogance look like? Well, he didn't listen he was judgmental. He, he saw himself as better than they were. And finally, he could put him in a fiery furnace and walk away and not even care. Do you listen? Do you, do you ever think of yourself as better than other people? Come on. That, 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 that people that you come across and we size each other up. Do you ever think in your core, at my core, I'm better? You. here's one are there people that you can just walk away from and never give a second thought about are there people that you can just walk away from and forget and never give a second thought about are there people here it is here's the church one are there people that you can just damn the hell and walk away see you in the fiery furnace did y'all catch that are there people that you can just say you know what the furnace is where you ultimately... Ha- I heard preachers that used to preach that all the time. It's called hell, fire, and brimstone sermons. And I know there's kind of a balance, and I don't want to broad stroke them, but far too many times Christians can say, you just go to hell and mean it. I'm not being cute by the mouth. Just really say, you know what? You sinful person, you deserve death and hell and can walk away and never care about them. Friends, that's not an attribute. That's not a theme of Christianity. That's a theme of arrogance. The theme of arrogance played so the question is for you, how might this theme try to show up in your life? I want you to stop. I want you to pause. I want you to think about it. When this song is played for you, what What do you do? What do you do? you ever thought about what it was like to be one of those three Hebrew boys? Can can you imagine? The the, the music is about to start playing. You know, they just got this promotion. The only reason why they're there is because Daniel hooked them up with this job. I'm sure they're like, thanks for the hookup, homie. You know what I mean? Here they are facing now, sudden death. Can you imagine? They know if they bow, their faith is compromised. If they stand, their life will end. Can you imagine what it's like to stand there? Now, I know all y'all good Christians in here. You would say it's a no-brainer, Albert. I just keep standing, but I'm sorry, I'm not. I ain't that good. I would be standing there, and I'd be like, they'd be like, one, two, three, bye. I'd be like, y'all, y'all gonna stay, y'all, y'all gonna stay up? Man, I'm going to Scoot over, dog. Scoot over, scoot over. I, I would I would wrestle through that thing because my the face of my of my nine month uh my nine week old uh, little blue Bethany, she would run through my mind. The face of my two-year-old little daughter, uh, Zoe, would run through my mind. The face of my beautiful wife would run through my mind. And I'm sorry, it'll be difficult. Because I'm thinking, God, can't I just say some prayer, some afterwards, and like repent of something? I mean, can't I just go and get the priest to bless? Hail Mary, come quick. See-? You know, I don't know. I couldn't just do something. It was a little Tupac jam. Anyway, all right. But it's like, could, isn't there something that could happen? You know, what's up? You know, they didn't. The pressure was great. They didn't bow. They didn't even flinch. You know why? They had a faith that was admirable. They had a faith that was fixed. See, they listen to this great statement of faith. They told the king, King, our king is well able to deliver us from this fiery furnace. But here it is. They said, but even if he doesn't, he's still able. See, their faith wasn't fixed on a happy ending. Their faith wasn't fixed on this storybook happy ending that everything's going to work out well, even if it doesn't work off well. To live is Christ and to die is gain, regardless of what happens in this fiery furnace. Our God is able. We won't bow. We won't bend. We won't compromise because our faith is fixed on God and God alone. It's this idea that... it. it See, our faith, our faith is so fixed on a happy ending. We, we want to believe God and I, I, my, my faith will be strong and I'll stand if I know I'm going to get healed at the end. I'll stand if I know I'll get the job or I'll stand if I can keep the house. What if, what, what if His will is that you don't receive the healing that you desire? What is His will if, is that, that you don't get the job? What, is his, what if His will is that you lose the house? Can you still trust Him? Can you still believe a God who tells you no? See, because it goes against our culture. We want all of the answers to be yes. And when it's not yes, then all of a sudden God isn't real. All of a sudden that, that rebuttals his legitimacy. No. If anything, it rebuttals the legitimacy of your faith. Because your faith then predicated on happy endings. That's not Christianity. That's Disney. That was kind of good. That was good. That was good. I'll write that one down. I wish I would have thought of that in the earlier services. Man. But our faith is fixed on God's divine will, regardless of what his will is. That's why they call it faith. We don't know, but we trust him in spite of. And when everyone else was bending, when everyone else was bowing, when the music was playing, they stood. And I will not bow. I will not compromise my faith, even if it means my death. Somebody might have come in here tonight. And you're feeling the pressure of the world. You're feeling the pressure and all of the pressure is pulling you and it's trying to pull you down and telling you, bow, give up, give up hope, give up hope. And some of you, it's giving up on God. And some of you, it may be giving up on God's promises towards you. You you may be thinking, I could never live up to who he wants me to be, so I might as well give up. Well, I want to encourage you tonight, don't give up. To the couple that walked in here and you're thinking about divorce, I want to encourage you, don't give up. Hold on. Stand. It's so easy to bow, though. Let's be honest. Isn't it easy to bow? Everyone else is bowing. You can look around, and it's hard to find people standing. Hard to, And the people that bow, they look so comfortable. I mean, look at this. They're not that comfortable? They look so comfortable. It's so easy to bow, but it's so worth it to stand. God is faithful, and he has a plan for your life. And it's it's good, it's his good. It may not be your definition of good, but if you trust him, you'll learn that his good is your good. That was another good one. If you trust him, you'll learn that his good is your good. So stand. The question is, how how does this song, this this theme of, of pressure show up in your life? How does this, this, this wrestling with giving up, how is it showing up in your life tonight? And when the song of pressure is played for you, what do you do? Think about it. Ever thought it what, what what it what it what it would have been been like to be in the crowd that day. Here you have this crowd of people who, who obviously have bowed before other gods before. This bowing before gods is not that big of a deal. They bowed probably many times before to golden images and to these different images that have been put up. They've bowed before, and this day they bow. I remember. Growing up in Sunday school in kindergarten, it was always a big deal to our Sunday school teacher that when we would pray that we would bow our heads and close our eyes. And you can imagine as, a, as, as kindergartens, it was hard, so hard for her to get us to bow our heads and for, her, for us to close our eyes. So she would always say, bow your head and close your eyes, and we would always be this big task. And i never forget my little cousin, Jennifer Knight. She raised her hand after we prayed one day. She raised her hand and she said, teacher, Albert didn't close his eyes. And you know, I was a little slow and I didn't catch it at first, but I thought about it. Then I raised my hand. I was like, teacher, in order for her to see that my eyes were open, her eyes had to be open too. (laughs) They were bowed, but their eyes were open. They were bowed, but they were still looking. They 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 were bowed they were bowed they were bowed but they were still curious sure they were thinking to themselves I've I, I bowed before many gods and I keep bowing before gods because at the core, I've never really found one to fully satisfy the hole that's in my soul. And as they were bowing, I'm sure they looked up and said, what is it about the God of these three? What is it about their God that's causing them to stand when everyone else is bowing? What, what is it about their God that causes them to stand, recognizing that it means Death? What is it about their God that, that makes them willing to sacrifice their life? What, what, what is it about their God that, that, that causes them to rebel against King Nebuchadnezzar? What is it about their God that would cause them to stand up and put their life on the line when everyone else is bowing? I'm bowed, but I'm looking. And it forces me to ask the question, what is it about their God? Parenthetically here, we who are Christians and who name the name of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you to be careful. Because while there may be bowed people in your neighborhood, there may be people that are bowed, people who are nowhere near Christian, nowhere near a part of the family of God, nowhere near naming the name of Jesus Christ. But be careful because they may be bowed, but I want to caution you tonight. They are looking. Their eyes are open. That, 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 that guy that sits three cubicles down. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he may be bowed. He may be obviously not a Christian, uh, uh, but he's still looking. And he might just be looking at your life and saying, what is it about their God that causes them to love like they love? What is it about their God that causes them to To reach out to people who don't look like them, live like them, act like them. What is it about their God that causes them to feed the hungry? What is it about their God that causes them to love on the poor? What is it about their God that causes them to love people who are just downright hard to love? I've been watching you. I see you in the garage every week. I see you in the break room every day and I'm wondering, what is it it about your God? See, we got we to gotta, we, we, we be careful about how we live our lives because there may be people who are bowed but still looking. See, that's why these, these issues, even politics, that's why, you know, I, I, I bridle myself a lot because I love talking about politics because it, it, it forces us to ask ourselves the question, what is it about our God that loves people who disagree with us? What, what, what is it about our God that causes us to love Republicans and causes us to love Democrats, although we would spend our lives fighting against the causes that they would stand for? Oh, let me come to your neighborhood. What is it about our God that causes us to love people regardless of whether they're yes on Prop 8 or no on Prop 8? What is it about our God that causes us to love the, 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 the gay couple who lives three doors down, regardless of our own opinion, regardless of our own religious views, regardless of what that is, our love is unfailing, and they can look at my God at any given point and recognize that it's something about his God. See, people like to shy away from religion and politics. I like to go there because that's where we really see who we really are. Hello and here's somebody. What is it about our God? Secondly, I want to talk to those of you who may be in this room tonight who are bowed. You, you, you may come in. I don't know why you're here at this religious gathering. Maybe a friend brought you. Or maybe you, you, you were just passing by and wanted something to do tonight. Maybe you came I don't know why you're here, but I want to just let you know. If you're bowed tonight, keep looking. Just keep your eyes open. Keep, keep your eyes open because... It reminds me of Zacchaeus. You know, Zacchaeus, wee, wee little man, he climbed up in the sycamore tree because he wanted to see Jesus. And when Jesus showed up, Jesus goes straight to the sycamore tree, looks up, and he sees Zacchaeus. He says, Zacchaeus, come down because I want to go to your house tonight. And I'm telling you, if you're in this room tonight and you're bowed, but you're still looking, I've got some great news to you. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is right here. And just like you're looking for him, he, my friend, is looking for you. (laughs) Jennifer's eyes were open and she could see me and guess what? My eyes were open and I can see her. And I'm telling you tonight, if you keep your eyes open, you may be bowed, that's okay, but don't you close your eyes. Don't you give up. Don't you stop searching. You keep your eyes open and you keep looking because the same God that you're looking for is looking desperately for you. Keep your eyes open. Don't give up hope. Don't accept the life of hopelessness that comes with living a life outside of the community of God. If you bow tonight, keep your eyes open. Keep looking. Because that same God is lovingly seeking and looking for you. The question is, how does this thing theme of hopelessness show up in your life? How, how does this theme, this idea of giving up on your search for finding who God is? How, how does this this doubt, this, this, this doubt infiltrate your mind and cause you to say, I want to close my eyes and give up on this God search? How does it show up in your life? And the question is, what do you do when this theme begins to play for you? Pause. Take time and think about. It. Think about it. The king is furious. The Hebrew boys are bound and headed to the fiery furnace, and the crowd is watching this drama go down. The king gets there and they get to the fiery furnace. And we know this part of the story. They get to the fiery furnace. The king is so frustrated. He heats the fire up seven times hotter than it normally is. And the two guards that throw these Hebrew boys in the fire are, are killed on as soon as they open up the door. They die immediately because of the heat, because of the fire. So he puts in the, the, these Hebrew boys in the fiery furnace and the king is laid back. Hello? Hello? All right. Listen to the arrogance. Listen to the arrogance of the king. Listen to, listen to this arrogance. He, sa- he lays back and he says, I want to see this. I want to I see this. I want to see the burned bodies of these three Hebrew boys who have defied me. I want to see this. So this arrogant king looks and he peels in and he looks and he says, didn't. Did not we put three bound men in? But I see one. I see four, and they're loosed and walking around, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. It's as if God looked down and was like, oh, i got to go down now for this one, and he jumps in. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Where was that? Oh, yeah. He jumps in and he looks and says, I got to go down there for this one. And it was as if he jumps in the fire. And that's encouraging because when the heat of the world is turned up in our lives, it lets us know that God himself will show up when life turns the heat up on us. He'll come into those heated situations and walk in. Can you imagine the king? Can you imagine the king after seeing this? The king seeing this. Knowing that he wanted them dead. Knowing that he had this God moment, and now he's missed this opportunity, and now he's seeing them. You know, I really don't, the the story ends well, but tonight I want to take a little hermeneutical license, and I want to add some stuff to the story. Is that all right? They do this in churches all the time. Don't worry, don't worry. If, if, if the king, let, let's give the king another opportunity. If we could hear from the king after this event, if we could hear from the king after he makes this, this, this declaration, if he could come back and tell us what he's feeling after seeing the saving hand of God and this, this grace that consumes these Hebrew boys and his ability to, to have another opportunity to find out who this real God is. If the king could speak, he'd probably say something like this. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind. What was wrong, King? I couldn't see the image of God because of my own image. I was blind. But now, but now, I see. I see that there is a God greater than anything that I could ever attempt to be. How did you see this? God's amazing grace opened my eyes to help me see. If you're in this place tonight and you say, Albert, I'm like the king. I I see my own image better than I should. I find myself judging. I find myself struggling to listen. I find find myself being able to just walk away from people and never give a second thought. I challenge you. I introduce you to this song of God. The song that tells of his grace amazing. Because it's in the beauty of his grace that you realize how small you are and how big his love is. I introduce you to his grace. The, the Hebrew boys, I love it, the Hebrew boys. Can you imagine, like if, if they had an opportunity to, to, to share with us tonight, can you imagine walking out walking out of the furnace? Can you imagine how, I mean, you're talking about walking like Shaft. They probably walked out of there just like, what's up? Me Shaq? Shaq and that bad Negro, you know, just walking, you know what I'm saying? You know he came out of there and he was strutting, you know? That's what you say to my old church. I can tell that joke tomorrow at the water cooler, don't you try it, all right? Just be crazy. Have a bad day at the office. Don't try that one. But, but can you imagine they walk out amazed? I mean, I mean because they were some pretty faithful guys. Their, their, their faithfulness was on point. But can you imagine the faith of God pales in comparison? If they would speak, they would probably say this song. They would probably say, great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, moment by moment, second by second, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand God hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, O Lord, unto me. This crowd. I mean, what a day. You come in and you bow to the golden image. You see these guys rebel. You watch them walk off to the fiery furnace. And you're like, holla, but that's the last time we're gonna see them. The whole shit, right? He was a cool guy. He owed me five dollars, but that's all right, you know? And all of a sudden, you see these guys walk back out. Amazing. Number one, he's like, I can get my five dollars now. But other than that, it was like, wow. Then to have King Nebuchadnezzar say, their God is the God, this is who we bow to. Can you imagine seeing this image, seeing Nebuchadnezzar, but then seeing the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They will probably say something like that. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. How great thou art. (sighs) If you're here tonight and if you're bowed and if you're still looking, I want you to keep your eyes open because through the community of God, through my life, through, through some of these people, through the, through the people in this room, through our lives, we pray that if you keep coming, just keep coming, and that you would see the greatness of God. He is a great God. And that this God who you desperately seek, he desperately seeks and willing to pursue you. So if you bow, keep your eyes open. Keep coming so that you may truly know the one true great God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for this grace that deals with our arrogance. Many times, if we were to be honest, we've thought of ourselves more highly than we ought. I'm the first to confess that, God. Many times, I've struggled to listen. Many times, honestly, God, I could—I feel like there are people that I could just walk away from and never give a second thought. That's why I thank you for this amazing grace. I pray that this grace would consume us tonight. And that we would be reminded of how truly small we are. But that we would also be reminded of how big your love is for us. And that through that love we would learn to love not only you but our brothers and sisters. God, I thank you for this song, this this song of faithfulness. For for those that have come into this place and struggling uh, with the the pressure of life and literally thinking, literally considering throwing in the towel, giving up, giving up on you, giving up on people, giving up on promises, giving up on relationships. God, I pray today that they will be reminded of how faithful you are. Let your theme, the theme of of faithfulness, ring true and clear in our eyes. Great is your faithfulness. You never fail. You never change, oh God. May we be reminded of your faith. And finally, finally, there are those who are bowed today. I pray, God, that their eyes would continue to be open. That they would see you for the great God that you are. A God that's all-loving. A God that extends a free grace. A a God that's paid the price so that we may experience abundant life. God, I pray that if there's anyone who's in this place and they're bowed but curious, I pray that through your spirit you would (sighs) speak to their hearts tonight. May they see you. May they know you. And how great you are. In Jesus' name. Amen.